1: Thanks
2: for joining me for another Grassroots Marketing on CannabisRadio.com and the, my next feature company on the program and our guest here on the program is, it's a familiar name here to Cannabis Radio listeners. We might remember that we spoke to the folks at Jane Technologies back in 2019. We spoke with their CEO, Socrates Rosenfeld. And today I get to talk to their vice president of sales, Brian Geddes. Brian, thanks for being on. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. My pleasure. So, j technologies for those just to remind you is the leading cannabis e-commerce platform and for yourself you come into this space you've been a long life lifelong advocate for the plant and you feel like facilitating access to cannabis via technology is an efficient way to affect positive change talking about that that philosophy right there
3: yeah it, it's um it is really near and dear uh, to us as an organization, um, to make sure that we can facilitate safe and efficient access to cannabis. Um, ultimately that's, that's the entire goal. That's the mission. That's the North star. And I think everything that we do as a company originates from, from that mission. Um, I think cannabis in particular has been stigmatized over the course of so many decades. And the war on drugs was an abject failure. I think everyone recognized that. And recently, at least, we, we've gotten to the point, I think, as, as a society where we realize that alternative medicines, so cannabis and, and other compounds are um, objectively better for humanity, right? It's, it's no longer relying on alcohol. It's no longer relying on uh, maybe some pharmaceutical drugs that are super harmful um, to, to humans. But rather, how can we how can we affect positive change using something that is inherently good? And I think we've we've landed on cannabis as that inherently good thing.
2: Do you bring into the space uh, an experience of finance emphasis in underwriting creditworthiness or retail tenants from the beer industry and helping retail and brand conversations is what you're doing right now in this current role so well, that said, there are quite a few similarities when you think about with beer now. When you're thinking about cannabis uh, consumables, not so much edibles, but now the drink and beverage space, whether it's adult or soft drinks, that you now have in the space, and being able to go have these different companies and different 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 brands that are doing pretty ambitious efforts on getting their campaigns out there and getting their products to be, you know, best tasting possible and to definitely be ready to be put on the same store shelves as alcohol someday after legalization comes into play well talk to me so far about where you see right now those conversations and what you're doing right now with these products trying to make it onto the market onto the shelves now whether dispensaries or other stores these days yeah, that's a great question. I think there are there are obvious
3: parallels between the beer industry and, and cannabis, the three-tier system, right? It's highly regulated. Uh, beer is obviously much, much older as a legal regulated industry. Um, but we can borrow some learnings from, from not just beer, but other retail verticals as well. I think ultimately what we're finding as we go on this legalization adventure is that cannabis is CPG. It's consumer packaged goods, right? And special CPG Uh, because there's so much community and there's there's so much value behind it. But ultimately, the rules that apply to the beer industry also apply to cannabis. And I think one of the best things that we've seen uh, over the last several years is this explosion in form factors. Right. So I I remember 2010 uh, you could get flour from a, from a medical dispensary in, in my home state of California. Mm-hmm. And then you could get some, some funky edible that they made in the back, right? And you didn't know the dosage and sometimes it would send you to space and sometimes it wouldn't work. Um, the fact that we have this explosion of form factors. So you have flour, you have vapes, you have edibles, of course, are, are super popular. Um, and then drinks are, are very, very interesting. Uh, the fact that there are all these different form factors that people can, um, can access makes the entire industry more accessible. And I've experienced that in, in my personal life, um, just anecdotally with, with my family, because I know folks that would never touch a joint. They would never have a bong. They would never break out a volcano and fill up a huge balloon and, and run around with that. But they absolutely would take uh, a microdose can, for example right with the positive benefits of, of cbd a very low dose uh social enabler um, that is very very compelling to the market um, and i think it will continue to be they have you know they the beverages in particular have some unique challenges um in gaining shelf space in price point because it's still a, a hefty price point um to access those products but in terms of growth trajectory that is the area where i'm most excited right it's it's edibles that are uh discrete is a big part of this um i think a lot of parents in particular are not necessarily keen on on sparking up a joint in the backyard while they're playing with their kids but they can absolutely take a uh, take a bite off an edible and and uh be more engaged and and ultimately happier so that's it's one of the things i'm i'm most excited about because these brands are creative And they're coming out with uh, with novel form factors still like we haven't we haven't really scratched the surface in terms of delivery systems. And I think that's um, that'll continue to grow.
0: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
2: Bring up branding and branding and packaging, very important, but I still think there's a bit of a disconnect when you look at, Obviously, every company that comes out should have some kind of a branding strategy, and there are some that have done better than others, and you can see there are some that are very ready for national rollout for when they can be able to go from coast to coast with their products. But I still feel like there are those that stay within the cannabis stigma and those that are staying within a regional feel, as opposed to going for something that's much more mainstream marketable, like you would see with alcohol and tobacco. From those areas, what are you seeing that, when you're consulting with companies out there about their brand strategy? It's a, it's a great question.
3: Oftentimes there is no brand strategy, right? And I'm speaking specifically about small upstart brands. It's, Hey, we have the best flower in California, right? And you go to hall of flowers and you see a a sea of of flower purveyors. Mm -hmm. All of it is fantastic, but it's super hard to differentiate except for the hardcore uh, cannabis consumers, the the cannoisseurs, right, that know everything about flour. It's hard to differentiate that with the general market. And that is the, the crux of the issue. How do you differentiate for the general market and not just um, hardcore connoisseurs? And I think that's, that's something that um, a lot of cannabis brands don't really think about. And then you have um, sort of national brands. I'll, I'll call them sort of national brands because, of course, it's state by state. You need cultivation in every single state. So it's a little bit wonky but you have your wild gummies that are expanding like crazy you have can which has uh, multi-state presence you have wanna gummies which is a tremendous product um, consistency is key right so even if you're regional and you have um, aspirations to to become national you have to essentially set up shop in every single state market and then get to the point where you're providing consistent product and this is something back in my Anheuser-Busch days that, that they did very, very well. I mean, hats off to, to Budweiser because Budweiser tastes the same in California, in Illinois, in, in your home state of Florida, right? And I think there are, of course, there are more barriers to, to rolling out a national expansion, but that's, that's really key. You have to get the science down pat, and you have to have business operations presence in every single state. And frankly, that's hard to plan for, and it's also hard to, to finance, Right? So you see a lot of these younger brands, these regional brands that just don't necessarily have the revenue or the investment to make a, to make a big splash like that.
2: And that's a great point where you're looking at, well, you're talking about a Budweiser, you're talking about the fact that they have different distributors that have the formula that are able to put out that consistent brand, just like any major, you know, either restaurant or maybe maybe beverage or brands like that, that consistency of product is made available. That's something that down the line the cannabis industry is going to have to worry about. Where they're going to, there are some companies out there already initially that are saying, okay, here's the formula, here's the way to grow. This is what we're looking for from the strains. This is the world we're looking for from our edibles or beverages. And they're going to different distributors that are able to go ahead and service another market while far away, say from West Coast to East Coast. They're learning that part. So when you have that coming into play, talk to me about what there is to be done to help create that environment so that that expansion can be done and that model can be instituted.
3: I think one of the things that, that is often overlooked is data. This, this whole industry is, is starved of really good standardized data. And that's one thing we try to provide to our partners as much as humanly possible. Cause given our national footprint, you can pretty much say with, with extreme credibility and confidence, this is how uh, an Illinois consumer behaves. Right. And this is what they purchase and, and here's your, your sell through on certain categories or subcategories or, or brands. Um, without that information, it's very, very hard and you're taking a shot in the dark. And then it's more of a a game of chance, right? If you're, if you're super lucky and something that you've built from a product standpoint resonates with a certain market, it may not resonate in, uh, California, for example, right? If you've, if you've tailored something to Illinois. So I think data analytics, we're all starved for them. I think we're getting better as an industry about surfacing them and and more importantly not just looking at numbers on a dashboard right but actually acting on them that's that's something that we desperately need we need to take all of our data analysis one step further and create actionable plans that's uh it's one way to expand effectively
2: now within what you have at jane technologies right now you are servicing over 2,500 dispensaries and brands using Jane technologies to create website menus, review important data, manage business online. And more recently, you now have a native digital environment where retail partners can now use a fully customized menu experience with Jane Roots, a headless e-commerce solution built on Jane's best-in-class APIs. And that's to help consumers with a confident, safe, and simple shopping experience. So... Talking about this, I mean everybody always talks about when it comes to certain software, having dispensaries or having different companies trying to integrate this, talking about the ease of access and really the customization that you have available.
3: Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. And it speaks to the, the evolution of the market in general. I mean, when I started cold calling dispensaries in Southern California with a backpack on, <laughs> not knowing what I was doing, um, every the, the the prevailing wisdom was that you need uh you need a pin on weed maps. And then you're done. That's all you need, right? Yeah. And in the medical days, at least in California, that was sufficient. People would find you, and that was that was all you really needed to plan for. Um, I think this this industry overall, overall, and and retailers specifically, are becoming more sophisticated, not less, right? And you have folks from from outside the cannabis industry with CPG background, with digital marketing background, coming into the space. Um, and the effect of that is that. Instead of, hey, we're just going to list on weed maps and everything's good, mm-hmm. that evolved into we want to own our relationship with our end user, right? The retailer wants to speak directly to their end user. Uh, and taking that a step further, they want their end user to interact in their own ecosystem, their own ecosystem being their web experience, right? That was the first real shift. So it was like, okay, we, we don't want to just list somewhere else. We want people to come into our house. And then we want to service them best in class. And we want to make sure they have uh, a shopping experience that is at parity or or better parity plus with traditional retail verticals. So that was that was the first step. And that was really 2018, 19. And then COVID just accelerated the entire industry from a digital standpoint. It, It accelerated two years in a couple of months. It was really, really wacky to watch. Um But taking that a step further and, and Jane is always listening to these, uh, Jane is listening to the, to the overall opinion, right? And taking that a step further is, okay, uh, now we have this beautiful embedded white label Jane menu that is, uh, high conversion rates and high average order value and all the good things that Jane does, uh, with our bread and butter product. Uh, retailers started to say, I want to own my brand even more and I want to be, uh, I, I want something customized. So I wanted to fit my branding even more than than changing um, than changing colors and changing fonts, right? That's where Jane Roots comes in. So th- the ability to build on top of Jane's infrastructure, which is all the integration work we do, which is all the the checkout we do, which is all the the data analytics feedback uh, that we do daily, uh, but to remove the front end, right? Because we have a, a very standardized way that we usually go to market, which works out of the box and it's it's perfect for for scaling a younger company. Uh, but some companies decided, Hey, we want this to look totally different than, than anything else. And so we've, we've essentially opened up the, the library to our, to our APIs and said, okay, build whatever you want on the front end. It can look, it can look crazy. And some of the builds do, they look so, so unique. Uh, but they still rely on the infrastructural, um, uh, components of Jane. And that's that the entire industry is going to move that way. It's, it's more SEO enriched. It's more customized. And this is not just for retailers. This is also uh, for our brand partners who are looking to have something very native and a place to tell their story, Right. right? a long time ago brands would tell us hey my my website is a glorified business card right i'm showing pictures of mountains and maybe i'm showing a, a vape pen out out in the world right. which is all wonderful but what they really want to do is engage with the end user tell their story collect data and and encourage people to transact like that's the the bottom line is is a lower funnel solution where people want to make sure retailers want to make sure brands want to make sure that customers are transacting and purchasing products
2: yeah so for those that want to be interested in checking out Jane Roots themselves, you can go ahead and ask for a demo of the software. Email demo, D-E-M-O, at iheartjane.com. iHeart, like iHeartRadio, iHeartJane.com. And that's also where you can find everything about Jane Technologies and what you're doing right now, working with so many different brands and doing so much. I'm again here with Brian Geddes, the... Vice President of Sales for Jane Technologies. Brian, thanks for being on with us. Really appreciate you taking time out. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Sure.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.